If you're feeling like things have just changed way too fast that you can't keep up or that you or your team is struggling, maybe then it's important that you listen to this episode so that you can hear the stories and the techniques to go from surviving to thriving, how change management skills strengthen business success. You're listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. Here's your host, award-winning coach and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, lovely dynamic women, and welcome to the Dynamic Women Podcast. I am Diane Rolston, your host, and today I get to interview Catherine DeLuca to talk about how we go from survive to thrive, how change management skills strengthen business success. You're going to want to listen in. So welcome, Catherine. Welcome. Yes, happy to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I have done a lot of things in my life, but for the past 15 years, I've actually been working in tech and I've been implementing software projects, some successful, some not, I'm going to admit it. And one of the things I figured out through that is everything in life is actually a project in some way, shape, or And one of the key factors we found in success of our program, of our software, when we did implementations is that we could do the best job of configuring our software product. It yeah. could be and it still would have a high level of dissatisfaction with users. Really? And what we, yeah, well, what we found out is you could teach someone how to press the buttons in software, but if you don't teach them why it's going to be good for them, they want to go back to their old ways of doing things. And you can't just do that once you have to do it over and over again. So the principle of change management, you have to hear it seven times. Seven and seven times in order for someone to fully integrate what you're actually telling them. So coming in and doing a one and done training is that here's the buttons you press, they'd go away, then they'd all <laughs> have me come back again, and they'd all go away and they'd have me come back again. And it was one of these things where all of a sudden, you know, it clues in. So I'd done some change management training, and I started integrating that into my training plat printing program when I did the, the software. Uh-huh. And so I'd say, okay, now, so we've learned how to press the button, what are you going to use this for? How is it changing yeah. what you're doing? Most of the implementations we do, it's case management software for social services. Most of my implementations were going from people using <laughs> a form and a piece of paper in a paper file. And we were asking them to say, no, you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to come over here and do it all on the computer. And <laughs> you can see you laughing saying, yeah, that's yeah. going to work really well. I, I just took it and said, you know, I can't implement any more of these projects anymore without a change management component. I don't care that we're not actually including change management in our scope of work. It's going to become part of my training plan. And so we started to see some really incredible results when you're saying, I'm not training you to do this. I'm training you on a new way to do your work. Here's what's in it for you. So another key concept of change management. And so then I realized it doesn't really matter what the project is. It's a key factor for success is making sure if you're doing something, whether it's personally for you at your work, is to make you understand that the people that are going to be impacted by what you're doing, understand what's in it for them, understand why they're doing what they do. I I integrate that now in my own life, but we've had to integrate it a lot at, 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 at work 
although we all work with computers, so this is, you know, people say, oh yeah, tech is easy if you work in tech. Well, <laughs> software that creates software. We use things that implement it. We used online, online chat and online this and online you know, meetings and things like that. But we didn't do the pandemic shift oh. very well from, yes, we have a lot of meetings, but how, most of our meetings are a group of people in the Victoria office with a group of people in the Vancouver office sitting in yes. one room with the screen. And it was not about the fact that every single person was in a totally different place. And how do we make that work? And so that that's kind of the the the, the guiding thing of why I did that. Tech's not easy for many of us in tech. And my kids would also do that. Like you're using different tools. And you know, my kids would tell me that they would say, Mom, how could you not know how to do this? You work in tech. I'm like, I designed specific software that I use to train people to use. And we yeah. have specific you take me outside of my 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 commonality it is and one of the biggest problems we had is like we have here people don't want to turn the camera on they don't want you to see what they're wearing or if they're wearing their pajamas they don't want you they don't want you to see what's behind them this is my house this is my this is my kitchen behind me this is where I work this is who I am and and this is how it is so you know the pandemic did a whole bunch of things it told me okay we have to figure out how to fix this at work. We have to make sure that it's not just work, it's work-life balance. Make sure people keep it. Yeah. And you know, I I I it it became a problem. We had we had people were living, you know, we're all living in fear, we're all living in isolation, and things things changed. Mm-hmm. And so about you know, I would say what it started in March and all of a sudden everybody's working from home. Like not transition. There was no transition. It was Everybody who could work from home should be working at home and you need to do yes. it now. Yep. And so there was no transition. There's no planning. There's no ability to say, hey, does everybody set up properly? Uh, does everybody have a laptop they can take home? We had staff who only had desktops, but they weren't taking the desktops. They had to learn how to, they had to learn how, these are developers who are used to having a desktop and two big screens all of a sudden had a laptop. Very and different. Then, you know, you've got what that means to your family, what that means to your kids, what it means to the people around you and the, where you live and what you're doing and your friends. And it became really big. Yeah. I think we all went into survival mode and I certainly did that. I'd kind of been in that before. So just be a little bit vulnerable. In 2017, 2018, 10 months apart, I lost both parents. And both, one was, my mother was first. She was somewhat expected. She had a whole bunch of health problems. My father was very expected. And so in 10 months, I lost both parents. And shortly after, you know, after that, we get to all of a sudden 2019 and we're all in pandemic mode and 2020. And it's like, I've barely got over that. You're telling me I got to stay home by myself. My kids had both moved away. So it's like that fear and that isolation. And it was like, how do I get myself back to that's my, 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 been my life and also working with people at work? How do I get away from this? I'm in survival mode. And when the pandemic's over, it's be fine to getting back to saying to getting to the point of saying I don't I have to get to a point where I don't care that there's a pandemic I have to figure out how I thrive through that so yeah that's yeah. kind of that's where I, that's where I came to the idea for this particular talk was how do we say not that I don't care about the pandemic but I need to thrive through this I need to not just survive and wait till things get better because yeah. they're not going to they're going to get different, but they're not going to get to where they were. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned the survive to thrive. It's in the title of this as well. Tell yeah. me about why the mindset shift from survive to thrive is just so important to you. When I realized I was in survival mode, I was making decisions about my life based. I put everything on hold. 
I literally was surviving day to day. I work a, a stressful job. I really yeah. want to create my own business. I'm at home all the time. I was, you get into the problem with the survive thing is, okay, well, what do I have to do today? Not what do I want to do? I want to get through my eight hours of work because I really want to work on this afterwards. Yeah. How do I get through today? And I realized my day to get eight hours of work in was taking me 11 hours. Wow. I lost focus. Yes. I lost the ability to, you know, it's like, what am I going to do if I don't work? Like, really? I'm just going to, I'm going to sit in my apartment all day anyway. So, Hey, but I'll get up and I'll do laundry and I'll get a snack and I'll down the stairs and up the stairs because the gym is closed, but it kept, (laughs) and it was interesting because as we were looking at the work and working at looking at our team at the office, you know, I was talking to my partner, Cindy, one day, she's, we, we kind of worked in partnerships, similar roles, but very different. And I said, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what's happening. And how do you think everybody else is doing? Yeah. Because we work really close together. We talk three times a day, even though she's in, you know, we always had, she was in Victoria, I was in Vancouver. We were sort of a team on implementation and project management. And I said, how do you think everybody else is doing? So we started to watch times when they started and times when they ended and what was going on and not, you know, people weren't talking about life anymore. Like we'd have a meeting and there was no two minutes of, Hey, check in, how you doing? That stopped. It's okay. Now we got to, because we got to get, and it became a very, very visible that there was becoming a lack of engagement. Uh, like what Ali spoke of earlier, it's this lack yes. of, it's this ability because we're working from home, people didn't want to turn on their cameras. Everything became a step back and less visible. And it became really mo- way too focused on, have you done this task? Have you got that done? Have you done this? Have you done that? And it, it started to have a really negative input. And so about six weeks in, it was no longer, hey, look, I'm not commuting it to it. I'm not, I'm not in my car, you know, two, two and a half hours a day anymore. I'm not benefiting from that two and a half hours. Is everybody else feeling that way? So we started to talk about a little bit and realize those stresses were, I was not uncommon. The way I was feeling was not uncommon. You know, I, I, my, my daughter down here in Nova Scotia was feeling it. My son in Toronto was in so touch a total lockdown. He couldn't go anywhere, do anything and nothing was open. Like he he was bike riding in the, in the barren streets of downtown Toronto. (laughs) But like, what do I do? And, you know, so what are the, yeah. we talked about some of the things we can do, but it was like, wow, you know what, if I'm feeling this way, everybody is, how do I switch this? I don't want to do this for however much longer we're locked down or however much longer COVID is the number one news topic in the world. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm too old to say, oh, I'm just going to get through today and then think about tomorrow, tomorrow. So it was kind of taking that step back and saying, okay, how do I do this? Who do I engage with? What do I do? Who do I connect with? How do I make sure that I'm staying connected? Not only through work, which was really important because yeah. we had a team of people who probably weren't thriving either, but also in my personal life and what it is. So it's like, take a step back and say, hey, what do I want? Yeah, exactly. Asking yourself what you want is really important. Yeah. And uh so we, you know, one of the things I, I mentioned in, in my thing was, you know, the whole tips, tricks and tips and try this again, Oops. tips, tricks and traps of working with a remote team because we had to go through um, what was going to work and what wasn't going to work and some things didn't work. So I'll tell you right now, the whole cameras on thing that did not does not work with introverted 
programmers and developers and QA people and be it business analysts in a tech environment, they don't want to go cameras on. So it was like, okay, how do we work around some of this? So we did struggle with what we could do and what we couldn't do and giving people the flexibility to say, okay, if you're going to work from home, how do we make this positive? So yeah. one of we we said, okay, people are working all over, all over. Like I'd try to get hold of a developer and they wouldn't be online for four hours because they're dealing with their kids who are home from school. Oh, so yes, I knew that too well. So, they don't respond, even though they're they're theoretically there, they're not responding. So we just, we sat back and said, how do we make this easier? How do we make this work for everybody? So we said, okay, let's not worry about the work days eight to five. Yeah. I'm like you should try it with teenagers. Yeah. Okay. But we said, okay, normally we work, we work an eight hour day. We take a break for lunch nine to five. And I said, okay, well, what if we do something different? What if we say, we're going to put all our meetings into a five hour window. And we're going to ask everybody to be available four of those five hours, depending on the meeting schedule. Yeah. Be available, come to the meetings, engage in the meetings. The rest of your day can happen whenever you want. If you want it to happen at two in the morning, go ahead, deal with your kids, deal with their life and do that. And we asked them what would work best. Yeah. It's the, the, the team, our team members who had school age kids said, oh, can we do it like not first thing in the morning? I have to get them settled into schoolwork. I have to get that morning routine yes. done. We actually settled on 1030 to about two. Oh, okay. All our meetings happened between 1030 and two and whatever hours everybody else wanted to do to get the work done, that was okay. And it was more about making sure that, you know, we respected the fact that, I mean, I don't have kids at home. Mine are in their twenties and they're grown up and grown and flown, as they say. But a lot of our team team members had young kids, like everything from, the 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 newborn baby all the way you know all the way up through school age yeah. now and so we had to respect that particular stress that was happening in their day we asked them if they were online please try and keep your team status of you know are you available are you in a meeting yes so that we know and if you have to step away and if you can't do something during those four hours email us the whole team say this is what's happened this is what I have to do we're not we're, we're going to and then it was trust. We're going to trust that you're working eight hours a day when you're booking eight hours in your thing. We're going to trust that you're going to get your work done. We are not going to hold what is your task list scrum type meetings. Yeah. We're going to respect the fact that we're all adults. We're all professionals. And uh, then we had to deal with the whole other thing was, do you have, where are you doing your work in your house? How are you going to achieve work-life balance? We had one person who, because the kids were home and using all the desks, were sitting on sitting at a chair in front of an ironing board. Yeah, or not enough Wi-Fi. We're, yeah, we're not enough Wi-Fi. Working at the kitchen counter, do using a laptop, but not having that second monitor. I'm sitting here. I have two monitors. This is my personal. My work is over here, and I have an extra monitor with my laptop over here. I can't work without them. So we had to say, okay, you could come. You know, what do you need? You can come to the office and get your extra monitor, your keyboard, your mouse, whatever you have in the office, so that you can you can make this all work. We got more people on to using a VPN versus a remote desktop because if you're on a VPN, you can use both monitors. If you're on a remote desktop, it's all sitting on one. So what are those kind of things? So we were, we really didn't worry about too much about the work. We didn't worry about the out, the out we worked on. What are the things that are going to make this easier for you? And if you had said to me in March of 2020, everybody's going to be working at home for the, for the foreseeable future, everybody would have laughed. We didn't even have a policy. We didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. We've had to come up, you know, and, and, you know, even now everyone's all they talk about it is like, yeah, no, 
and I, I and somebody laughed. They said, "Yeah, well, you took care of it the ultimate way because then you get into what 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 happened to me." And so did this have on me and my skills, my goals, and I learned how to read between the lines when fine doesn't mean fine when fine actually means things are crap right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As a leader, it's really important. You have to be able to tell when when there's crap going on, they're not telling you about. Yeah. And if I can add in, Zoom also was clicking into the idea that people didn't want to see themselves. And so there's a few things there around people maybe like when you're in a room, you're not going to stare forever at someone's face, right? When they're not, when they're not part of the conversation, but in zoom, you could stare at someone's face for a long time. And that, and so having your own face right in front of you all the time is, is psychologically very hard to handle. And so they created the hide self view button. So if anyone is wanting to be on camera, but not stare at their own face, I used to cover my face with another little note box, but you can actually in the top right corner of your, I think of your video is the hide self view button. I can't do it now because I'm being recorded, but that is something that even zoom saw people don't want to see themselves. And so they made, they made that change. Now, For you, you've talked a lot about the struggles that had to happen. You guys had to make quick changes. I'm hearing that probably moving forward, every company needs to have a work remotely plan in place. But what impact did this really have on you and your goals by having to do it this way? Well, um, by the time the pandemic started, I, when I first moved to West, I had family. I had a cousin. I had, you know, people in cousins in Victoria, cousins in Vancouver. I had friends yeah. who had come from away, which is a very Nova Scotian expression. <laughs> um, but my daughter had moved down to Nova Scotia to go to Dalhousie University. My son was living in Toronto. Mm. My mother's family is all out near or around Toronto. And my, my mother's family is all down here in Nova Scotia. And I'm from here. And one of the things that happened was I realized that wow, if I really want to thrive, is this apartment in North Vancouver really going to serve me long term? And that was one thing. And I went, okay, so you know what, you got to make a plan. If you do want to go home, and everybody was saying, look, you need to come home, you can't stay out there by yourself, you don't know how long this is going to go on. I had a significant birthday. And I went, wow, I'm out here in BC, it's a significant birthday. And I'm at a zoom call party with the family. Like, okay, one of on a really good friend of mine, she dropped in and brought me a cake. But it was like, yeah, you know what? Um, maybe this isn't working for me. So I, you know, I kind of kept it to myself. And then it got to be about, I don't know, August or so. And my daughter announced to me that we were talking about Christmas. And she said to me, I'm not getting on a plane. So no, I'm not coming to BC for Christmas. I am not getting on a plane. Yeah. I can't. She has some anxiety issues and stuff. So she wasn't getting on a plane to come because I said, both kids, I'll fly you out to BC. And I didn't want to come here because at that point in Nova Scotia, they had everybody must quarantine for two weeks on their own, not in a room with family, but on their own. So I started looking and said, okay, if I'm going to go for Christmas and I'm thinking about going to Nova Scotia, so I want to check out this, I want to check out that. And I totaled up the cost of you know, two weeks of quarantine, and my daughter has a bachelor apartment, nobody else had space. So six weeks of renting an Airbnb, renting a car. And I looked and went, that's a lot of money. I don't know about this. And you at that time, too, it was like, that's a lot of money. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm not totally happy here. I really want to be around family. I really don't want to live in a city. I really don't. I hadn't for a while. I thought this is my future goal is to move out to the country. So I 
explored the opportunity of a place called The Crossing here in Nova Scotia. And it's out near Windsor. It's in the country. It's a 55 plus empty nester community. And I said, I want to come check it out. I'm thinking of moving here next year. And so we had a conversation. I said, this is when I'm coming. She goes, okay, well, you know, we'll take a look. Christmas, you can come and see if this is where you really want to be and blah, blah, blah. And so I go off and it's like the, it's like October. It's still October. I've got to make this decision. There's decisions. If I'm going to go for Christmas, I got to get this lined up. The more longer I wait, the more expensive the flights and the rental cars and the Airbnb and everything yeah. else are going to be. So then I get a call back from the property manager here and she goes, so are you still coming? Do you know when? And I went, I don't even know if I'm coming. It's just so expensive by the time I look at everything. And she goes, you're still thinking of moving? I said, well, yeah, I haven't talked to anybody about it, but yeah, I'm thinking of moving. And she goes, well, I have a little house. It's a two bedroom mini home in the mini home side of the community. And it's brand new, was spoken for for December 1st and the gentleman is backed out. What do you think? It was October 26th yeah. and it was available December 1st. I have all the symptoms we talked about earlier about procrastination. Yeah. How do you make decisions? You got to make them fast. You got to do this transition. I'm thinking, what do I do? Yep. All I, real, all I could think of is in my heart was I have to do this. This is what I need to do for me. And yeah, there's repercussions. Do I have to leave my job and not have a job? And it's pandemic time. Is this the right time? Is it not? And I had five days. And I'm like, okay, well, I know what any particular family member is going to say, but I will consider, I will talk to the one who's, wow. who will be realistic. And that was my sister who lives in Connecticut, phoned her and I said, how crazy is this scenario? One to 10, 10 most, one least. She goes, two, do it. So I gave my notice of my apartment on Halloween, Saturday, Halloween. Wow. And then I talked to my, then I talked to the company I work for and said, you've already approved for me to work from Nova Scotia from the beginning of the December to the end of January, middle end of January. I'm old forever. <laughs> what, if, what if I don't move? What if I don't come back after, to BC after that? And I stay there. What are the possibilities I can keep my job? I said, this isn't about, Wanting to leave Avocet, this isn't about the work. It isn't about working with you guys, although it can be fairly toxic sometimes, yeah. but been there 15 years, whatever. I said, but this is about what I need. This is about my decisions. This is about how I did it and what I did. And my boss goes, well, I don't know. I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to show you something. And he goes, what? I said, you know, within our software, we have an outcomes-based goal planning module. And he goes, yeah. I said, you know me, I hate smart goals. They don't quite do the whole picture for me. But here is, here it is. And I'd written it all out using that same format we, that I trained people on, social workers, to train them on for yeah. an accreditation-based goal service plan. said, here it is. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And I really went through and did a plan. Career, life, what are my big goals? What are medium-term, short-term goals? What do I need to do? What are the actions I need to take to get what I need out of life? And I said, I don't, I'm not done with working on, on this software product. I'm not done with this yet. And I said, I really don't know that it's a good time to go looking for a job in Nova Scotia. <laughs> wow. And so pulling this story to a close here, I'm seeing the time. Yep. This sounds like really, this is where Thrive came from. You were able to to really plan things out as you want. I want to make sure that we get your gift in and then some final thought, but let me tell you what it is. It's a link to the PDF that includes two things, an outline of the outcomes-based business framework that she uses, that Kathy uses for both her business and her personal life and the tips, tricks, and traps that we utilize when transitioning from an in-person to a virtual team. 30 seconds here, Kathy, final message to our audience. Don't be afraid of change. There we go. 
Don't be afraid to make the quick decision. If you've if you've done a plan, if you've looked at it and you said, I got to do something, you come up with what you want. Don't don't be afraid. Don't hesitate. I did the whole move down here in from the I decided the 27th of October and I moved on, yep. I was on the 27th of November. Wow. That's I awesome. Did, Amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. So excited that we had another amazing guest. Who do you want me to interview? Email my team, team at dianerolson.com and let us know. If you haven't yet, write a review. Make sure you send a screenshot to team at dianerolson.com with your mailing address so that we can send you a little something special in the mail. Hit subscribe, share with a friend, and... Tune in next week as I go back to a solo show and share more about how you can move ahead in your life and business as a dynamic woman. Stay dynamic. Bye. Thank you, dynamic women, for joining us today. Please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Who do you know who needs to hear our message? We'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family. If you're ready to be more dynamic, have more balance and more success, head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.